Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hey, this is Tommy Yanolis, one of the founders here at Ops Analytica. And if you are running a multi-unit restaurant operation and you want to make sure that your teams are focusing on the basics of food safety and great operations and shift readiness, then I tell you, please go check out and sign up for a demo of the Ops Analytica platform. We have developed a business process uh, platform that can take your employees and guide them through all the different steps of running your restaurants, managing the business, checking on food safety. When they identify issues, we can walk them through the remediation steps. We document everything and you will run better restaurants and you will be able to focus on growing your business and competing because the basics are going to start getting handled on a daily basis. So check us out, opsanalytica.com and sign up for a demo. Hey there, Order Up Podcast fans. Uh, What's up? So, this is part two of the Subway Podcast series. In this episode, I am going to be talking about if I was the king of Subway, what would I do to fix the chain? The previous episode was some of the traits that I saw from failing franchisees when I worked at Quiznos. If you haven't listened to that and you're a franchisee, you should listen to it. Um, Hopefully, it will help you. So... Here's kind of the deal in 2020, uh, early February of 2020. Subway AUVs are down. Subway lost 1,100 units last year. I don't know what their exact unit count is right now. Um, I don't work at Subway, so I'm not privy to that information. I'm not privy to their AUVs. Um, So, you know, some of this is really just a thought exercise, right? But they lost 1,100 units last year, I think. They just laid off 300 people from corporate. And I'm going to guess that their AUVs are somewhere between 350 and 450,000 per year per restaurant. And uh, and we're going to guess they're around 25,000 restaurants right now, domestic U.S., um, like, like individual franchise group restaurants. So, because it really doesn't matter what the numbers are, they're hurting. And this is more of a thought exercise. So... And once again, if you just tuned into the second podcast, uh, the reason I feel very passionate about this, A, I like Subway. I mean, I always have. When I was in high school, like we didn't have a lot of fast food in my area because I lived out in the boonies. And like we had like we put I was a bellman at a hotel and we had the Bellman Challenge. It was a golf resort and we all played golf in the winter. Got a free Subway sub. This was back in the day when they used to cut the top out, you know, and then put all the meat in like a bowl. And anyways, it was like fun. Like it was a thing, you know, we were excited to go eat a Subway sandwich. And, uh, and you know, I also used to work at Quiznos and I worked there in 08, 09 during the real estate implosion, during the financial crisis and during their uh, franchisee, the start of the franchisee implosion. So I, and I worked, uh, not only did I do the franchise assistance program, which I talked about in the last podcast, I also was in ops and I worked in ops and I built their audit program there and, you know, um, and I was like, you know, I worked on torpedoes and, and just trying to keep these restaurants open and trying to keep them staffed and well, not staffed, but keeping them open and running. And so, you know, I, I think I have some insight on this. Um, and I saw what didn't work for us and what did work for us. And so I want to make sure that, uh, you know, maybe I could just 
for the purposes of this podcast, tell you how I would go around fixing Subway. So let's do it. Okay, so, oh, disclaimer. You know, I'm looking, I'm approaching this thought exercise not as, hey, we're all coming out of this hunky-dory at the end, right? Because I don't think that's the case. I think that realistically, Subway is going to be a five to 7,500 unit chain when this is all said and done. I'm looking at this from the perspective of I'm a Civil War battlefield surgeon. I just gave you a shot of whiskey. I put a stick in your mouth. And now it's how much do my chopping off of you so that you, that you, the person survives, but you're probably not walking out of here, you know, with both your feet, uh, which is a nice analogy. It's not graphic or horrible in any way. So, okay. You got 25,000 stores. I'm a huge fan of the Pareto principle, right? So if I worked at Subway Corporate, I'm no longer thinking, how am I going to get all 25,000 stores out of this? What I need to start doing is figuring out uh, what five to 7,500 stores I can salvage at the end of this. Now, there are a couple things everyone needs to know. If you're the franchisor, you have to provide the minimum level of service to all franchisees. Ones that are doing great, that are making you a lot of money, and ones that are crappy and you know are sucking your brand dry um, and destroying your brand. You've got to provide them with the same basic level of service. Same thing with your uh, your your marketing funds. You cannot, uh, you know, your national advertising funds. You have to use those for national advertising, and you have to equally represent all restaurants with national advertising, right? Um, the other thing I would say is that if you're the franchisor and I've been a part of these conversations, um, even though you may be thinking, Hey, which restaurants can I lose? Which restaurants can I save? Which ones do I want to lose? Which ones do I want to save? You can't really talk about the restaurants like that. Um, if it ever got out to the franchisees, they would lose their minds, especially if they ever found out they were on a list of restaurants that were, you know, you had already deemed as a restaurant that you would be okay letting go. Um, so you got to be careful how you, you approach all this. Everything has to be approached from the perspective of system health, right? I'm trying to evaluate system health. I'm trying to evaluate franchisee health because I wanna know how I can help everybody. But I'm, but remember, I'm really a Civil War surgeon and I'm looking at all your gangrene leg and the bullet wounds in your arms and I'm thinking, let me get my hacksaw out here and let's just start chopping. So ultimately at the end of this deal, um, you wanna have, what your goal is, is to have your best franchisees in your best locations and how many of those people and restaurants can I get paired up to each other and keep open at the end? Okay, so 25,000 restaurants. Let's use the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, right? 25,000 restaurants, Twenty. the top 20% of Subway restaurants equate to 5,000 units. Let's assume that 20% of Subway restaurants aren't just 
they're doing good. They're doing really good. They're in great locations and they've got great operators and they're making money. They're above the average AUVs. They're successful. They're, they're pocketing some profits. Um, and, and they should, they should be able to make it right. And we want them to make it. So those 5,000, we have to do everything we can to save those 5,000 stores period. And, uh, and, and we want to keep them as healthy and happy as possible. So let's reverse the Pareto principle. 20% of the worst stores in the chain. So we have another 5,000 that we can probably pretty much count on will be out of business in the next 12 to 18 months. Okay. So that's 10,000 off of our 25,000 units. We know those 5,000 are going out of business. We, as the Subway franchisor, have to provide those people with the bare minimum and nothing else. And we just want them, and this sounds horrible and it's very contradictory to what I said in my last podcast, but we want them to stay on as long as we can to suck as much money out of them as we can because we need that money to continue to operate the brand. And then we have the middle 15,000 restaurants, right? And so are the, is that right? Yeah, 10, yeah, the middle 15,000. And so those restaurants uh, are not gonna go out of business in the next 18 months and we have to evaluate those restaurants um, and decide, you know, realistically, which ones do we wanna save and which ones we don't. So. Um, so to recap to this point, we have the 5,000 that we absolutely are making money. We got to do everything we can to help those guys as much as possible. We've got the 5,000 that we've identified are going to go out of business no matter what happens. And we just realistically are just going to give them the bare minimum of service and let them fail on their own time frame and try to get as much money out of them as possible. And then we have that middle 15,000 that we want to try to save as many of those as we can, but they're there. They basically span the range from maybe they're going to go out of business in two years, right? <laughs> to, uh, you know, I'm almost really profitable. Like they span that entire middle ground from the great top 20 to the bottom 20. So what would I do? You have to go out and make a multifaceted scorecard for every restaurant looking at restaurant, and we're calling it a restaurant health um, scorecard, okay? We have to be looking at four different sections of the business. Number one, the real estate. And we're gonna break down each of these. Number two, um, the sales. Number three, customer satisfaction. And number four, um, we're going to call it operator engagement or like it could be operator engagement. It could be like a rating the operator. Right. Um, and so we're going to look at those four things and we are going to rate every single restaurant in this system, you know, um, because we it's this rating, which is going to allow us to determine who our top 20 percent are and who our bottom 20 percent are and everyone in between. Okay, so let's break it down. What will we look at? Let's start with real estate. We have to look at um, quality of the location. We have to look at the quality of the strip center. 
We have to look at the traffic patterns of the strip center. We have to look at the health. I, when I say quality of the strip center, I mean the health of the strip center. You know, is it actively managed? Do they have a good anchor? What is the traffic pattern around that strip center? Is it under, is there road construction going on? What's the future, what's the demographics of that area, you know? Is it growing? Is it a steady base? What's the density? You name it. We have to get a full understanding of the real estate um, of this location. And I wanna include in that trade areas as well. For those of you who aren't familiar with trade areas, every restaurant chain, when they plop a restaurant down, they're looking at certain demographics and certain densities and certain you know uh, traffic, all that stuff. And they say, okay, this restaurant should draw between one and three mile circle, circumference around this restaurant um, you know, a circle around it. And then what ends up happening in a lot of these restaurant chains, and especially happened in Subway, is that they kept putting too many Subways and they kept impacting everybody's trade areas. So like in my area, I have a Subway like one to one and a quarter miles to the west. I have one two miles to the north and I've got one two miles to the east. All of their trade areas are impacting on each other, right? And so I need to know you know, I need to start gaming out every restaurant in the chain, which is when a restaurant leaves, like I, what I want to figure out is if I've got three restaurants like you have around my house, if I could dump one of those, which one would I want to go out of business first? That would have the most positive effect on the other two restaurants trade areas. That's how I, you got to be looking at this. So not only because when you rented these spaces, maybe the strip center had a uh, had a uh, a circuit city and it was drawing all kinds of people in there and people were buying subs all day long. Because and now circuit city went out and there's a Joanne Fabrics and nobody's buying subs, you know, then that's not a good location anymore. But you need to understand from your real estate scorecard what is the health of each of these strip centers from all those different points and, and, and many others that the real estate guys know about. And then two, you have to start modeling out which locations would have, if they closed, would have the most positive effect on the surrounding locations. Because if you've got three locations in a row and one of them's five miles away in a, in a crappy, in their trade area doesn't affect the other two, um, then maybe that's the one you want to go away. But if you have one, you have three clustered in a triangle and you can pull one out, then both other two restaurants will take their business. They might both see a lift. That's really good, you know? Um, that could be good. Or you can have a restaurant that's like smack dab in the best area and if that closes, but the distance constraints might, we don't want that one to close because that one is the best one. So we got to figure out a way to keep that one open, you know? But you just got to figure that out. You got to give yourself a real estate score on every location and mat and game out. You got to identify the restaurants you want to let close. Once again, you can never let that list. That list should be locked in a vault on like a, a flash drive or something because you cannot have that get out. Um, that a franchisee sees that you've identified their restaurant as a good one to close is not going to be good for you. Second thing you want to look at is obviously sales. That's easy peasy, right? Who's got great sales? Um, because not only are great selling restaurants in theory going to be hopefully more profitable, but they also, because you're a franchisor, they generate the bulk of your revenue. So you got to make sure 
that uh, you know you're protecting those high-selling restaurants, your colleges, your malls, the things that would get a lot of traffic, airports, whatnot. Um, so you obviously want to be evaluating on sales. The next thing you want to be evaluating on is uh, customer satisfaction. You know, and customer satisfaction is like who's getting the better reviews? Are you getting a lot of complaints? Um, you know, that kind of thing, obviously. That really speaks to the operator, um, but it's important. If you've got a restaurant that's poisoning the well in an area, you have to determine, you know, based on these other factors, their sales and their customer satisfaction and their uh, real estate, you know, is this, are we okay with this restaurant pissing off potential Subway customers, right? And then the fourth thing is, is it's cost. But it's really like operator engagement. And, and you can put customer satisfaction um, with operator engagement uh, as well. Um, and, and so it's cost, profitability, and, you know, are they playing the game? Are they an engaged operator? So you would think if you had a really engaged operator, your customer satisfaction scores would be high, um, high naturally. But you got to look at them both. Um, but yeah, are they an engaged operator? Are they getting good audit scores? Are they controlling their costs? Are they staffing correctly? Are they, um, are they, you know, doing, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Are they doing, um, you know, are they accepting your promotions? Are they putting up their claims? Are they doing a $4 foot long when they don't want to, right? Like, are they running a good restaurant? Are they a positive brand? Uh, ambassador for you. Um, now, because that's really important as well. And, and what I would say is if I, okay, so I'm going to grade everybody, right? And I'm going to grade everybody on all those different attributes, real estate, sales, customer satisfaction, and operator engagement. And then, you know, what, I, what I'm going to expect to see is that I hopefully have really good operators in my higher sales stores, right? I'm going to expect to see that um, because they're making money and so they sh hopefully should be. Not all of them, but I would say 80% of them should be the best operators, the best customer satisfaction scores, hopefully, the best sales and in decent and good locations. I expect 80% of my top 5,000 to be at the top level of that. And then, then for the bottom 80% of my chain, I expect to see, what I expect to see is a mishmash of really good operators in some, and, and, I, and I expect to see a mishmash of another large group of really good real estate. And I don't necessarily would expect to see that those guys would be matched up. We might have amazing real estate in the bottom 5,000 because the operator, you know, that guy doesn't show up anymore. He's got another business, doesn't care. This isn't worth his time. So he's just got like a friend running the damn thing. And you got a prime location with a crap operator. And I expect that you'll see that those people will not be paired up. And that, and that part of our goal is, is to make those marriages happen, right? Okay, so we've graded every store. So far, we've run this scorecard, we've evaluated all these different attributes on all these locations, and now, um, what do we do next? So this is the shameless plug part. I would put in Ops Analytica. 
Um, I would put in any ops management system, but obviously as the founder of Ops Analytica and knowing how much better ours is than everybody else's, shameless plug, I would put ours in. The reason why is this, you've got to have operator, uh, you got to have this operator efficacy data and you got to have it today. And you have to have the visibility into the stores because you can see a lot of what's happening in the restaurants just from getting the daily checklist done. Um, and also it can make the guys in the restaurants more efficient. So, um, you know, we can give you the whole pitch, but you need that data. You cannot rely on audits to ensure um, what's, uh, you know, what's happening in the restaurants. You gotta have that daily data on the food safety. You've gotta have the daily data on the operations. You've gotta be able to leverage the technology to get things done because, you know, they just lost 300 employees. Their, their field team patches are gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger as they continue to lose restaurants, which means the field team guys are not gonna be getting into the stores as frequently as they used to be. And so you've got to give yourself an ops management software solution that's going to allow you to project your corporate presence into the stores without having the human being in there to double check on things. So you've got to get this program in, right? So the next thing you, and, and here's what you're going to do. Okay. Right. So basically we're just trying to manage the fall. We know. So, okay, let me stop before I go into this point. Here's the deal, and I alluded to it in the last podcast, but I need to retouch on it again. When restaurant operators stop executing on the basics, right, they should shut their restaurants down, but they don't. And that's the problem that we had at Quiznos, and that's the problem that they have at Subway today, is that restaurant, the restaurant, the field, the franchises, the franchisees are not executing on the basics of the brand. And if you go into any subway today, you'll see it. I mean, I went to a subway the other day and there was one kid working at night during dinner, right? That's not executing on the brand. You go into a restaurant, the food's not fresh. The floors are dirty. The bathrooms are dirty. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, then, then all that's happening is, is that people are going into those restaurants and they're having bad experiences and they're having bad experiences and they're getting pissed off, right? So, that's the problem that Subway's facing. That was the problem that Quiznos was facing. When we went to launch Torpedoes, we inspected all 4,700 restaurants in a two-week period. We had people from corporate going out. We were getting people to go to the middle of North Dakota because we needed to go in there before national advertising hit. And we needed to go in there and say, hey, we're about to run all these national ads. You're going to get sales. Staff three people minimum. Clean the restaurant you know, put up your window clings. You have to accept this offer. You know, we had to go out there and basically conjole these people to say, hey, look, if you don't do this, you're gonna kill your business. And they would go, yeah, absolutely I will. And then we would leave and then they wouldn't do any of it. And then they ended up going out of business anyways. You know, it's called marketing yourself off of a cliff. If you drive an increased amount of traffic into your restaurant, but yet the restaurant doesn't deliver on the basics of a good restaurant experience, what ends up happening is you accelerate your own demise. You drive yourself right off of a cliff because people are, you, you, you drive 150 
people that still are willing to try the restaurant, the subway, you entice them with a sandwich or an offer or a price and you got them excited and then they go into the restaurant and it's dirty or the operator says, no, I'm not doing $5 footlongs, pound sand, go somewhere else. Well, that's why I came in here. I have this coupon. Doesn't matter. We're not selling those. Or the food's bad or the service is bad or it takes 40 minutes to get a sandwich. Any of those things, the restaurant's dirty. They just make people go, I don't want to come back. So you spend all this money driving people into the store and then they have bad experience. They don't want to come back and they don't come back. And now you have that many less potential customers out there. And now sales are down even worse, which means you have less money to do the next big advertising campaign. It's a vicious cycle. And it's all based on the fact that you have, that you cannot do marketing and advertising if the people at the restaurant aren't gonna deliver on the actual basics of running the restaurant. And that's where Subway's at right now. That's where Quiznos was at. And you know, there's only so many levers at corporate they can pull, but they can pull levers, right? And these are the levers. They can, they can run national advertising. They can do coupon drops. They can help you with local store marketing, which is generally gonna be some form of coupon drop or discount to drive traffic. Um, those are all positive sales things, marketing, marketing and sales, right? On the, on the cost side, they can negotiate better deals on food. They can uh, simplify the menu and the ingredients on the menu to make it you know, less expensive from a food cost perspective. Um, and they can, um, I mean, that's really it. They can, you know, that, that's pretty much it. So it, they have a, they can they can reduce costs a little bit here and there, but you know most of these systems are already pretty streamlined in that respect. At some point, you just start putting so many buttholes and like hoofs and beaks into the meat that nobody wants to eat it. And then they can drive they can try to drive sales through helping you market. Those are the levers they have to pull. That's it. But the problem is is that if the restaurants aren't executing, then the marketing doesn't help any. And, uh, you know, once again, if you simplify the costs, but you don't have any way to drive the sales, it doesn't matter either. So those are the levers they have in this highly competitive world. Those are the levers they can pull. So that's another reason why getting that. That's what another reason why getting ops analytica or a ops management system into the, into subway is so important because you have to figure out who is actually operating their business, right? So how we're gonna manage this is kind of twofold, okay? Number one is we want to identify the restaurants that we know are gonna fail. We want to identify, and, and we're gonna let them fail. So just know that's gonna happen. Number two is we want to identify the locations that we want to save because the location could is good but the operator is bad and we want that guy to fail, but we wanna, we want to try to uh, hold on to that location and get a better operator in there. So that's number two, um, right? Number three is for the restaurants that are doing, that are meeting the brand expectations. They're operating the way they're supposed to be operating. Um, you know, they're clean, they're delivering on the brand promise, right? Because once again, when you send people into restaurants that aren't executing on the basics, you lose them as customers. 
When you send people into restaurants that are executing on the basics and delivering good value and good food and a clean restaurant and an appropriate amount of time, you increase, you increase customer satisfaction. So you want to start rewarding the best operators in the chain. That's so important. So how do you do that? You cannot take money from the National Advertising Fund to do that. But what Subway could do is they could take one percentage point of franchise fees that are coming in on those restaurants and those restaurants that are operating the best, doing their daily checklists, getting good audit scores, staffing correctly, you know, buying food from approved sources, that's another big deal. You know, everything that you want them to do, Subway could choose to take that, they could make it a program that you qualify to get into through your operations where they take 1% of your franchise fees and they put it back into a local store marketing campaign for those individual restaurants that um, where you use that money that's coming in from the franchise fees back on marketing in this program only that's available to everybody. And the coupons are only good at specific locations. So we're talking the ultimate and very targeted Facebook and local store and, and coupon dropping. We're talking in like maybe a half of a zip code. And, and it specifically says this coupon is only valid or this deal is only valid at this participating location. So you are rewarding your best operators that are gonna do the best job of delivering the brand promise with targeted marketing in the form of an additional program that you can get into by being a great operator to try to drive more sales into those restaurants. So you could have three restaurants in your area and that coupon would only work in one restaurant. Um, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to make our best operators more successful by doing that. Um, and you know, taking 1% of franchise fees and driving that into a targeted sales effort should pay dividends, right? You should get that money back two or three full by just increasing sales. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, to get our best operators the most sales we can so that they stay in business. Um, we're allowing the bad operators to go out of business slowly. And the next part of this whole thing is we want to start marrying people, good operators to good locations. So I don't know if this is true or not. Back in 08, we were always told that one of the reasons why Subway does better than Quiznos, franchisees do better is because Subway at that time was underwriting their leases. So they would basically tell the landlord, hey, you know, we're backing this guy. And if this location goes bad, we'll do our best to try to sell it, you know, for the guy. Uh, we'll try to get someone else in here for you and we'll guarantee it when it's not open. And that's what allowed Subway restaurants to get a much lower rent than a Quiznos that didn't do that. So they might be paying two grand a month where we were paying four. Um, now, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but I would say this, that, you know, legally, you know, you sign these leases and you have companies and you're committing to be here for 15 years and it's all very, you know, it's all very legal and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but reality is if someone's going out of business, they go out of business you know, you're just another creditor trying to get your back money. And the strip centers know that. 
and you know, depending whatever. So I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not saying you can break these leases and stuff, but you know, there are things you could do legally and you, you, there are things you could do. You could start another company and then fold that company and blah, 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 and do all this stuff and you know, roll the dice. But ultimately at the end of this deal, what Subway needs to be doing is they need to be figuring out how they can get their best operators into their best locations. So they can no longer look at this like, oh, okay, well, I got this great operator over here and this great location setting vacant, right? Um, I need to bring the, I need to find a way to, you know, get that operator into this great location so that I can have a really strong restaurant and really strong operator. Um, so however they can choose to try to do that inside of their own organization um, or to encourage that, those changes and, you know, whatever, they need to do that so they can figure all that out. Because, I mean, if you're going to have one location sitting vacant, you know, don't go sell it to a new franchisee at this point. No one's going to buy a new Subway. Find a way to let this guy get over here. Um, now, here's another thing I would suggest that Subway do during this period um, is I would provide really extensive help and getting people to become multi-unit operators the right way. So in anything, coding, restaurant management, you know, whatever, one to two is harder than two to 50. Because if I'm an amazing single unit operator and I'm just in my restaurant every day and people know me and I'm high-fiving everyone and blah, 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 then you know what? Uh, that doesn't mean I can do that in two stores. A lot of times the best operators are the best operators because they're engaged in one restaurant and it takes a whole new skill set to become engaged in two restaurants because now you have to trust people. You have to train people. You have to make sure that people are doing what they're doing. You cannot, you have to be able to, you know, trust and verify versus being able to see or do. And a lot of the best, it's like when you get the best waiter and you make them a restaurant manager and they suck, it's because it's not in their skill set. Like it's a totally different skill set. So if I was Subway, I would have an entire group of people working at Subway that were all about one, ensuring that we that we understand how to make multi-unit operatorship work for these great operators. Are they capitalized well enough? Can they handle financially having a second or third store? Can we give them the training that they need and provide them the programs and the software, Ops Analytica, LMSs, all those other things so that they can um, go to one to two stores and then eventually two to three stores and, and up like that. Because that would be your best bet is to get operators that could handle a multiple stores, but if you just take a single unit guy and make him a two unit guy, we saw this all the time at Quiznos, both restaurants went under. Um, so you, you can't just assume that they can handle that. You've got to invest in them, help them do their financials, help them get the loans, help them make sure they're capitalized enough, help them budget, do all the stuff that you would need to do to run a good multi-unit business and then provide them with the tools and the systems to be able to make that work easily um, and then you could get these best operators into multiple locations. But because realistically, you are better off break, getting a, a, a great single unit operator into a great location 
one for one trade, then you are getting a great guy into two locations and he fails, right? You, you're better off just making the one-to-one -one jump and, and, and being ruthless about it. You don't meet the personality, financial, managerial experience, things, qualifications we need to even let you into multi-unit operatorship because you're gonna fail. Because ultimately, great operator can keep it going at least one store. So to sum up this thing, one, we're gonna let the bottom 20% fail. And, but we wanna, even though it's against the brand, we wanna keep them in operations as long as possible because we need their money coming in so we can afford to do national advertising and to keep our field team as big as it can be so we can provide as much coaching and, and help as we can to the other restaurants, right? Number two, we have that middle 15,000. And in that middle 15,000 restaurants, we have a thousand great operators and a thousand really great locations. And we have to get into the business of marrying the best operators and getting them into the best locations. We have to invest in our operators through training and systems to ensure that if we are trying to get them to be in the multi-unit operators ownership, that we give them every tool necessary and all the training we can so that they can be successful and open that second or third store and do it right and keep the same standard of operating up and make sure that we don't take a great operator who was making a good living with one store and then destroy them by giving them a bad store that's gonna suck all the profits and eventually they go out of business and we lose two stores. Um, and then the second part of that middle 15,000 and up into the top 20% is what we have to do is we have to reward the stores that are operating the best by doing additional local store marketing that we pay for out of their franchise fees um, that are targeted offers to that location only so we can raise their sales and their profits up and they all can't just be bogos and four dollar subs we've got to come in with you know other offers free drinks and sodas when you buy four subs after five you know they have to be smart offers um they have to be catering related party related um delivery related you know they can't just be all bogos and cheap subs you've got to get these guys to sell some premium stuff so they can make some money, but we're gonna reward the best operators that are delivering on the basics and the brand promise through targeted uh, targeted uh, coupon drops that are only valid at these good stores. Um, and then for the top 5,000, you know, depending on where those venues are located, you know, you'll decide uh, what you need to do um, for them. And then, you know, obviously, you know, you're gonna be trying to do as much marketing as you can and, and do stuff. If I was with Subway, I don't know if they know this about their own business, but kids love Subway because it's one of the few places they can go and get exactly what they want, you know, easily. They pick their, you know, sauces, vegetables, meats. So I would be looking to do a lot more kid deals and family deals, come in and get two kids meals and two adult subs for whatever, but anyway. And then know that you're gonna lose restaurants and just accept that fact and focus on how do you look at the end of this? Because I don't think that's what they did at Quiznos. I think at Quiznos, the goal 
we were blind to the fact that we were losing restaurants. We never, we, we knew we were losing them, but we were never talking about like, how are we gonna mitigate this or slow this down? We never did any of these types of things. And so, you know, we just kept, the restaurants just kept closing and closing and closing. And all of a sudden, you know, you were at 5,000 stores in 2007, and now you're at 350 stores in 2020. You know, and, and it's like, when you're at 350 stores, you can't do anything. You can't buy national advertising. You can't like, you're not gonna show up on the Super Bowl. You know, all you can do is local marketing, like web marketing, because that's all you can afford to do. Um, so, you know, yeah. So I think if Subway just gets on board with the idea that, hey, you know, we've got a ton of restaurants out there that aren't delivering on the basics, those guys need to go. And we gotta focus on the ones that are, and we gotta boost those guys up and we got to get the best operators in the best locations, however that has to happen, but we got to do that. And we got to invest in people and really prepare them and make sure they're qualified for multi-store ownership. They have a chance of coming out of this thing with five to 10,000 restaurants. Um, but I think it's crazy to think that you can have this many people making 250, 300 grand um, a year and doing a horrible job managing a restaurant and think that they're all gonna be here in a couple of years, it's bad. And remember this too, one thing I didn't calculate into any of this is that, you know, if you, as restaurants start closing, trade areas, as restaurants start closing, um, their impact on adjoining stores, trade areas will go away and then those other stores will hopefully start to see a little bit of a lift. So that would be one other thing you could do too, is if you know a store is gonna close, then you could, you know, help those restaurants around there going, hey, well, we were, you know, uh, hey, these, you could do positive marketing to the restaurants in that area, to the people that were in that trade area, right? So, you know, if, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but like if the 80111 restaurant closes, let's just pretend that's a very dense area and there's 80112 and 80113 on either side of it, you need to do advertising to 80111 saying, hey, come and visit us at one of our subway locations in 80112 and 80113 and try to get those customers to understand. And I mean, do it geographically enough where you divide that trade area in half and push them to the closer subway and go, hey, come check us out at these locations to get this great deal on sandwiches and try to get those people to know that there's other subways in their area and try to help those other restaurants get a boost from the, you know, the removal of that location. They have to be ready to do that. Every time a restaurant closes, they've got to advertise in that area to push people to the other restaurants around there so that those guys can get a boost and have an opportunity to, um, you know, make those people their customers now. Okay, I hope this wasn't boring. I hope that it was informative. Um, and I hope you liked it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And check out the podcast. And thank you guys for being listeners.